0: believe he's the great I am, just raise your hand and say praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen. It's good to see in the house of the Lord and uh, it's good to always come and to worship him and thank you, praise team, for just leading us into worship and then bringing us into the presence of the Lord. How marvelous. How great. What a great encouragement. What great singing. And good to have May Henry back. I missed her last week. She was here, but I didn't see her. But I see her today. Good to have May back from hip surgery. Amen. Amen. We're glad to have you here. And uh, Linda and Dave are here today. Betty's uh, cousins here today. Let's give them a big hand. And her family with us today. Good to have them with us in the service. I want to speak to you on a very sobering subject. We've been talking about uh, evangelism and uh, we're talking about the purposes of the church. We've talked about worship and uh, we're looking at evangelism. There are the five purposes of the church. And uh, the second purpose of the church, the very reason we exist as a body of believers, is uh, first is worship and then the other. Uh, is evangelism. The other one is fellowship and discipleship and ministry. So those are the five purposes. But today I want to speak to you on the subject on will we remember you, Uh, part of our series. And I want you to just open your heart to the Word of God today. And I want you to look with me in Psalms uh, 112 verse 3. Uh, Psalms 112 verse 3 down through verse 10 is our scripture this morning. Psalms 112, verse 3, down through verse 10. Great scripture. King David wrote this, and he said, Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. He's speaking to the person who is saved, who knows Christ. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious, full of compassion, and righteous. Surely he shall not be moved forever. And I want you to underscore this. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his until he see his desire upon his enemies. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. I want you to just hone in on that one verse, Psalms 112, verse 6. Surely he shall not be moved forever. Talking about the believer, the person who trusts Christ forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. Will always be remembered. I I remember as a teen... uh, we lived in Fair Winds and we lived right off Fur Road. And near Fur Road, there was this other road that took out to Route 7, which is called School Bell Road. And I remember I was just a really young guy, probably around 12, 13 years old. And uh, I had a friend, we were riding bikes together. And I rode all the way down to the end of School Bell Road, and there was a very large wooded area. And uh, I remember going out there and just exploring the area because I'd never been in the wooded area before and walked in there into the woods and was shocked to see an old cemetery. There were old tombstones. And uh, some of them were broken. Some of them were practically uh, laying on their side. Some of them were on the ground. Some of them were leaning up against a tree. And I remember going, good night. I don't think anybody even knew this place existed. So I went into that cemetery area and just went in there, and I, the names, you could barely read them, but you, if you take your finger and just kind of kind of feel it, you could f- see the letters. And I remember looking at some of the dates, and some of these people were buried back in the, the late 1800s, early nineteen nineteen oh two, nineteen oh three. 1903. And I thought to myself as I looked around and saw the names of Uh, of all these people. In fact, I even saw a preacher's uh, tomb in there. It was called Reverend Williams Williams was his name. And I, I, I just sat in there by myself. And I thought to myself... These were real people. This was probably a little village close by here. These were real people that that lived that that had the joys of life, the sorrows of life and, and, and gone through all the issues of life that we go through and, and they 've perished and gone off the scene and I thought to myself, these poor people have been totally forgotten and it hit me one day i 'm going to die, and about two hundred years from now someone 's going to see Tim Britton. They're going to be like that. Poor soul. Someone forgot them. And and that cemetery will probably go off the chart somewhere. And I thought to myself, as I looked around, I saw weeds growing over these uh, old uh, tombstones. And I thought to myself, these poor, poor people, they've been totally forgotten gone, and it's kind of depressing, you know? You live your life, and you, you, you jump in, and you live through all the issues of life, and you have children, you have family, and you, you deal with sickness, you deal with your health, and you just live life, and all of a sudden, we die, and we go off the scene, and, and it hit me. I thought to myself, then you're forgotten. I thought, how depressing. In fact, I was so excited that I found this old cemetery that I, I went around. Literally, I did, folks. I went around and pulled the weeds off some of these old stones, and I cleaned them up, and I thought to myself, you know what? You might have been gone over 150-some years, but let me tell you something. I, I just saw your markers. I remember you, and I remember cleaning up all the weeds around the old tombs, and, and I, I just was so excited that I had to tell my mom, so I put one of those uh, tomb, marble tombs, on the back seat of my bike, and I walked home, and my mom freaked out. She goes, what have you done? You've, you can't do that. And I remember, said, mom, look what I found. And of course, she, she went ballistic on me. So I had to take the tombstone back, but, but I, I just could not believe that these poor folks... Over all these years have just been tucked away, their bones interred in the dirt, in the dirt, for all of those years, and they have been forgotten. They got out of the cycle of life, no one remembered them anymore, and they are forgotten people. But you know, as I, I they must have been a lot of believers there because there were a lot of Christian inscriptions written on that tombstone. And I knew there was a pastor buried there, and I'm pretty sure he was a born-again believer. And I, I thought to myself later on, as I was studying the scripture, I always think about that cemetery. And I remember coming across this verse. Surely he shall not be moved forever, but the righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. And I thought to myself, you know what? We may have forgot them here in this cycle of life, but up there, they are not forgotten. They're very much involved in eternal life. I want to share with you three thoughts about, will we remember you? I want to share some things with you. It's a hard, it's a good sermon, but it's a hard sermon and I hope and pray that you 're open to the truth this morning. If you 've ever listened to anything in church, you 've got to listen to this sermon, because your future destiny depends on the message that I 'm going to preach this morning. This has nothing to do with denomination. it has nothing to do with religion. This has everything to do is when you leave this world, you're going out into a big, wide eternity, and you're going to spend more time over there than you are here. and it's so important for you to know one thing: is to know for sure. That when you leave, you know exactly where you're going to go when you die. I want to share three things with you in 15 minutes. And all God's people said, it ain't going to happen, right? I'm going to make it. I, told, I tell Ken, Ken and I, he sits on the side there. And I told Ken, I said, I'm going to try to be done right on time. I said, do you believe me? He goes, no, I don't believe you. I see he's lost total faith in me. But uh, he says, no, he's, I will preach hear that, Ken? Do you hear that, Ken? All right. I I will preach two hours. I will preach two hours. Three if you really want to hear it. Amen. There are three things, three big thoughts I want to share with you this morning. Number one, I want to share with you the wonder of heaven's interaction, the wonder of heaven. Now, I'm a firm believer that God created a heaven and God created a hell. Uh, now, there are some people who believe that that there is no God, and that that they are a part of the evolution series, and when they die, the lights go out, and that 's it. I believe we were created in the image of God. It takes more faith to believe that you came from a mud puddle or a monkey than than for you to believe that God created you, body, soul, and spirit. I remember a man one time who told me he did not believe in God and he didn 't believe in the creation of man. And I said, hey, you got a Rolex watch on. And he goes, oh, yeah, just tell me how beautiful it was. I said, you know what? Wouldn't it be amazing if, if there was a big sandstorm and a big storm and that watch just formed together underneath that big storm and all the sand particles came together and rubbed together and all the little wheels. He goes, Pastor Tim, that is totally ridiculous. I said, let me tell you something much more complex than a watch is the soul and the spirit of a man. It's a foolish thing to say that there is no God. And you know what? As I was thinking today, I thought, I'm a firm Bible believer. I believe there's a heaven, and I believe there's a hell, and I believe there's an eternal destiny, and you were created in the image of God, and inside of you, there is a living soul and a spirit. I cannot see. I can see your physical body, but there's a soul and spirit that is wonderful and complex. And the Bible says that the righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. And I want to talk to you about the place where we're, remembering, we're going to be remembered. And the person who is born again, the person who has received Jesus Christ as Savior, will never be forgotten in heaven, and will always be remembered among the saints of God in the city of God. I don't want to talk to you about heaven itself. Heaven itself, the city, is the eternal home of God. It's the place where God dwells. It's the place where God lives. It is a place where God allows all of his saints to live with him. And, and heaven it, it itself is actually a city. The Bible talks about it. John saw it. He was an actual eyewitness of it, came back, and the Holy Spirit gave him instruction to write the details about the city of God. So our, there are some sketchy things that are pretty profound that we, could, that we can read about heaven and really embrace the Bible says first of all the city of God is cubical. It's it's like a giant cube. It's 1500 miles high. It's 1500 miles wide. It's 1500 miles deep. I don't know about you, but that's a mighty big cube. And the Bible says that this if you it has 12 foundations. It has 12 different levels of this huge city and and if you stand on ground One and you look up, it would be as high as 125 miles high. I can't even see 125 miles. I can't imagine 12 stories, 125 miles each separated. It's a perfectly square city, 12 stories high. And the Bible says it has 12 gates around, surrounding this great city that is... Huge. The Bible says that the the gates themselves are made of pure pearl, and and every gate has the name of one of the tribes of Israel over top of it. And the Bible says that the the gate is an actual one single pearl, which would be amazing to see. The Bible says that there are angels that stand guard at the gate, making sure that nothing evil or guile would ever enter into the kingdom of God. It's a huge city. The Bible says that when you go into the city of God, there's a street that's made of transparent gold. In other words, it's so pure, it's so beautiful, you can see through it. The Bible says that the walls of the city of God, remember, if you're standing at the base of the city, looking up 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles deep, the Bible says that the walls of this city is 216 foot thick. Friend, that's about as wide as this whole entire building. And now, it's not made of sheetrock and concrete, but rather the walls are made of pure, gold, uh, uh, pure diamond. Now, there's a, there are different facets to diamonds. So it tells me that, that when the glow and the glory of Jesus radiates from within the walls of this great city, this thing, no wonder, John says, it looks like a jewel that is adorned. It is like a beautiful bride adorned on her, uh, on her wedding day that, that really descends. It is sparkling and beautiful and glorious. When John saw it, he was Speechless. This is where God dwells. This is where the the people of God dwell. It's beautiful. The Bible says that when you enter into the city, the first thing you see is this gorgeous, sparkling river that winds its way to the center of the city, where's this dazzling, fantastic throne. And the one that sits on this throne is Jesus Christ. And that's where the angels are thronged. That's where the, the congregation of the saints, that's where they are. That's where my mother is. I can guarantee you now, she always loved Jesus. I guarantee you, she's right there at the base of the throne worshiping Jesus. And if she could come back and talk to me, she would say, Tim, you have no idea. You have no idea how beautiful he is that sits on his throne. You have no idea of my mansion. You have no idea how beautiful it is here. Some of you ladies think you got something great called a diamond on your finger, but let me tell you something. That's nothing when you stand with your nose pressed up to the wall of the city of God, two hundred and sixteen foot thick, fifteen hundred miles high, wide, and oh my goodness, a place that that is inhabits or a place that is built with mansions and rooms, billions of rooms, and all of these places dwell the people of God. It's a city. It's a place of perpetual light. The Bible tells us, John says this when he read about it. He says, in this city, there's no need of the sun. In this city, there is no nighttime. There is no people getting tired. It's a place of perpetual light and place of perpetual activity. There's no night. There's no darkness. There's no fatigue. There's no crime. There's no funeral homes. There are no hospitals. It is a place that is glorious. It's beautiful. I don't know about you, but I want to go there. How about you? It is a place of brilliance I've heard people and I've read testimonies of people that were great saints of God that, that died and had a chance to come back and just share a little bit about how bright and brilliant heaven was and it wasn't the sun but Christ himself. So we see the city itself It's fabulous, and then there's another thing that John talks about all the way through Revelation are the angels. He said they're mesmerizing. This is the home of the angels, and 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 there are far more angels than there are people, and there are myriads and myriads and, and myriads. In other words, you can't even put a number to it. And this is where the angels of God, and they are ministering spirits, and they are. The Bible says, "Below us, we are above the angels. Those who are chosen in the family of God, and all of God's people." Say Amen. We are living with Christ, but we're going to be able to see angels, and they'll minister to us, and they'll help us, and they'll encourage us. They inspire us. Angels sing. Angels shout. Angels worship God. Angels help the saints of God. When you get to heaven, you're going to see one of God's angels. And I'm not talking about people who've died, because there's a distinct difference between the angels of God and those that are redeemed. When I die, don't say, oh, Pastor Tim's an angel up in heaven. No, 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 I'm the... I'm of the numbered with the saints of God. The Bible says the angels are there. They're fabulous to behold. Someone said they're about nine foot tall. I I don't know. I've never seen an angel. And I hope the only time I see an angel is when I'm on the other side, because it'll scare me to death. They're created to minister to the saints of God. And, and another part of heaven is the citizens of heaven. I've met many of these people who are already there. You have too. I've met these folks in revival meetings. I've met them in jubilees. I've met them in church uh, services. I've met them in church conferences, and, and, and they're there, already there. I've got good friends there. I've got church members. In fact, I was looking through a, an old folder the other day, and it was show, showing old church members that, that I was acquainted with. And I went back, and I thought, oh, my goodness, more than two-thirds of them are already up there. And they're already part of the citizenship of heaven. They're already there. Heaven is a place bustling with people who are serving Jesus Christ. There's a place of laughter, it's a a voices of joy, it's a a voice of reunion. People travel in and out of the city of God with a plan and with a purpose. It's a place of perpetual fellowship, a place of perfect love, perfect unity, kindness, no jealousy, no strife, no church problems, no attitudes, no criticism, no judgmental spirit, no schism, no division, perfect harmony, perfect acceptance, everybody's happy in heaven. And all God's people said, I really want to go there, (laughs) Amen. God's going to give us perfect knowledge in heaven, and we'll know each other. People say, when we get to heaven, will we know each other? Of course. Your your earthly image will bear the image of the heavenly. You will know each other. You will know me, and I'll know you. Sorry you get to see this mug forever. You're like, I've seen enough of that, man. But I want you to know it will be perfected, and I will be at a perfect weight of 175 pounds, and buff, (laughs) and buff. Now, this is the body of corruption, but soon it shall be sown in in corruption, but shall be raised incorruptible. God will give us perfect knowledge in heaven. We'll have a perfect state of knowledge. There won't be any trouble with dementia or Alzheimer's there. We'll know everyone in heaven And the most amazing thing about it, God will put into your mind and heart, you will know everybody as far as back since Adam, everybody, even throughout the Bible. We will know Abraham, he'll know us. You'll be walking down the street of heaven one day, and soon this is going to happen. This is surreal. This will happen if you're a Bible. Do you believe the Bible? It's going to happen. I'm going to be walking down the road one day on the transparent gold, looking down, thinking, "Oh," and and I'm going to look over, and Abraham's going to say, "Hi, Tim." I'm going to say, "Hi, Abraham. How are you? Appreciate you and Sarah having a baby at 100. It's good. Pretty cool." And then a little bit further, I'm going to go down, and I'm going to see Jacob, the guy who had 12 sons. And, and then I'm going to go down a little further, and I'm going to see Noah, who built the ark. And I'm like, "Hey, you're like an icon, you know, in heaven." And I want to sit down and talk to Noah. Man, what was it like being in that ark for, you know, all that time with all those animals? And I'm sure you're going to say the stench was unreal. I feel like I can relate to Noah because my daughter has, well, let's not go there. She's got a lot of animals. Let's talk to Joseph about what it was like to, to, to be raised to the second highest position in Egypt. And, and then we'll see Daniel. Boy, we love Daniel. We're like, Daniel, oh, wow. They wrote a, a whole book about you. And Daniel, it is so cool to see you, Daniel. And, and I read about you in the lion's den. And he's going to sit on a rock by heaven and just say, I'm going to tell you what it was like. The spirit of God, the angel of God. There was no fear. God just helped me through it. And, and then he's going to look at us and say, hey, how would you make it through your trouble and we're going to talk with these saints of God. We're going to know them, and they're going to know us. And then we're going to sing King David, and we're going to see him, and, and maybe he'll whip out his harp and play a song, and we'll just sit there and clap and say, hey, no wonder God said you're the apple of his eye. And then we're going to see the apostle Paul, the guy who wrote a lot of the Pauline epistles, and we're going to sit down and talk to him about his ministry of setting up churches. But most best of all, we we'll see Jesus. And he'll be walking down, and he'll call my name, Tim. Good to see you. Well done, son. you got a little messed up here and there, but well done. And I'll be able to see the nail prints in his hands, and I'll be able to look into his eyes and say, you know, I've always... Envisioned of what you would look like, but I would see him face to face. I get to hear his voice. I get to see my mom. I, I, I can I tell you something? It's very personal. I call. I hope I can do this. My mom passed away. I was always a mama's boy. Oh, terrible, terrible mama's boy. And uh, my mom had passed away three months, and I was dealing with grief and not doing good. And uh, God, I don't know if it was a dream, vision. I don't know. I don't know, and I'm not trying to pretend like I have extra spiritual revelations, but I was, we were living at Fair Hill that time, and I was in bed, and it was in the middle of the night, and it was as if my mom walked in the room. She'd been gone in heaven, been three months, and she walked in. And she looked great, and she, she always had a way of throwing up her hand. Hi. She walked into my bedroom, and I remember in this dream sitting up and saying, Mom, you look great. You look great. And she said, Oh, Tim, just wait till you see Jesus. I said, Mom, but you look good. The last time I saw her, she was riddled with cancer and, and, and sick, and, but she looked great. She had great color in her face, and she, she looked great. She was radiant. And I said, Mom, you look wonderful. You, and I remember conversing with her and, and talking to her, and she said, you know, you can't see us, but we can see you. And I remember talking to her. Her brother had just died, who was a total infidel, who had never received Christ as Savior. And I said, Mom, did, have you seen Uncle Bill? He, he died just weeks after you. And she looked at me with a puzzled look. I, I don't know. But I remember talking to her. And it was such a comfort to me. And, and you know what? I clung to that and I, I clung to that. I was real careful about telling people about that because some people look at you like you're crazy. But it was a real experience to me. But God sent that to me to comfort me, to, to let us know that heaven is a real place, that heaven is a place where the saints of God go. And if you're here and you're grieving, I want you to know something. You need to know if your loved one knew Jesus Christ as Savior, you need to just let them go in the arms of Christ and say, God, just give me faith to make my journey There'll be no celebrities in heaven. There won't be some people out there, no, I'm sorry. I'm unapproachable. We're all born into the family of God because of our savior Jesus Christ. John said this, he says, and I saw a new heaven, I saw a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth was passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, I, John, I saw that holy city, the new Jerusalem, I saw it coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true. The interaction, the greatness of heaven. We have so much to look forward to as the children of God, the half has not yet been told. But I want you to look at the second big point, and that is the perpetual joy and peace in heaven. Heaven is a place where we will live in an ultimate state of joy and peace. The Bible says in the presence of the Lord, there's the fullness of joy. You've heard me talk about that numerous times. We have a little joy here and there, but in heaven we stay in a perpetual state of joy. Something happened earlier in in my pastorate. I was um, doing a funeral of a young man that was 19 years old. The 19-year-old boy followed the footsteps of his father who rejected Jesus, did not believe in the existence of Jesus, rejected the whole idea of God. The mama was a born-again believer, loved Jesus, loved the church, loved the word of God. And I remember this young man was coming home from work one night, and it was a rainy night, and his motorcycle, lost control of his bike, and he, he was killed instantly. He would occasionally come to church once in a while. He'd sit in the very back, put up his knees, and he would check out, not interested in spiritual things, not interested in anything with God. And he made it known, I am not a believer, and that is your choice. I cannot make people believe. I cannot make anyone. It is your choice. It's your job to hear the truth. It's my job to present the truth. My job is to be clear to the point. But it's your job to take the truth and to do what you need to do with it. But this young man, he, he prided himself to go the steps of his, the, to go the way of his dad. And, and he obviously, and I remember at times the mom would say, would you talk to my son? I would try to reach out to him. And, and way down Alabama, that was, uh, family was a big and dear thing. We had the funeral. And this caught me by total surprise. They were getting ready to take the, the blanket and put it up to his chin. The funeral people had left. service was already preached. And just the mom was there by herself. The funeral director was one end of the casket. I was at the other end. And I put my hand on her shoulder. And when I saw her face look up at me, it looked like water literally coming down across her whole face. And she said to me, how can I be happy in heaven if I know my son's in hell? Tell me, Pastor Tim. I had no idea that question was going to come. You tell me, Pastor Tim, how I'm going to be happy in heaven knowing my son's in hell. If the Bible is true, and if the Bible is what it says it is, then my son who has rejected Jesus Christ, how are you going to tell me I'm going to be happy knowing that my son? Is in a place called hell. I was dumbfounded. It's one of those times I wished I wasn't a preacher. That was one of those times I wished I was just, you know, building buildings or stacking books in a library. I did not know what to say. But after I left that funeral home, that question haunted me for weeks. And I would go into the Bible and I would just go from book to book and read and read and read and think, how is it? How can a person be happy in heaven knowing they have a loved one? How is it possible? Until I came across a verse, Job 24 18 and 20. And when I read this verse, it was like the Holy Spirit said, here's my answer. Job 24, 18 and 20 says, but but those who die without Christ, they disappear like foam down a river. The grave consumes sinners just as drought and heat consumes snow. Their own mothers will forget them. Maggots will feed them sweet to eat. No one will remember them. Wicked people are broken like a tree in the storm. And when I read that, The answer by the Holy Spirit and the precious promises of God's word, it basically said this, that God removes the memory of those we love who die without Christ forever. It's as if when you get to heaven, if they are not there, it's as if they have never existed. They disappear from your memory, your thinking, and your vocabulary forever. Our former interactions with them in this world will be totally erased in heavenly places they will be completely removed from our conscious and our unconscious thoughts. They will be removed. And then I want to preach to you my third thought, and that is the horror of being forgotten forever. When I read that about being forgotten, I don't know about you, but I love my loved ones, and I love that they remember me, and I love that they remember my birthday. I love when, they, when I'm sick that they send me a, a card. I love that they care for me. The unbeliever will be remembered no more. Neither will their name or their life ever come into their existence, and that is the greatest tragedy, and that is the greatest sorrows of hell. The saved in heaven will have no recollection that you've ever existed if you don't know Christ. The scariest place to be is to be alive on this planet and never receive Jesus Christ as Savior. I'm preaching to you. Because I'm going to share something with you that the Bible teaches that is so profound. And it ought to move everybody that is here today to want to know Christ and to to want to receive him as Lord and Savior. Because the Bible says that one of the great judgments of going to hell is not just wallowing in the flames of hell forever, but it's in that place of forgottenness, never to be remembered Isaiah 65, 12 and 17 talks about this. He says, God says, now I will destine you to the sword. I will destine you to judgment. For when I called, you did not answer. When I I spoke to you and I convicted you, you didn't listen. You, You turned your shoulder. You turned off your hearing aid. You turned away from me. You deliberately sinned before my very eyes. You chose to do what you know I despise. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my servants will eat, but you will starve. My servants will drink, but you'll be thirsty. My servants will rejoice, but you will be sad and ashamed. My servants will sing for joy, but you will cry in sorrow and despair. Your name will be left as a curse among my people for the sovereign Lord will remove you and will call his servants by another name. For I will put aside my anger because the former troubles are forgotten and they are hid from my eyes. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth and the former shall not be remembered nor come in to mind. There will be no one sitting up late for you at night waiting for you to come home You'll never receive a birthday card. You'll never receive a get-well card. You'll never receive a text or a phone call or a letter. There won't be any record of your existence. God's judgment will erase you forever. The name of any famous unbelieving infidel in this world will be removed forever. The marks of their existence will be removed. Every statue monument of an unbelieving historical figure who has ever lived will be torn down and erased. Every street that has ever borne the name of of an unbeliever will be removed. Every building that has ever been named after an ungodly person will be removed forever. Every trace of the existence of an unbeliever will be removed from the presence of God and the presence of God's people forever in the kingdom of God they will be remembered no more nor ever come into mind that will be the judgment of the lost not only to suffer the torments of hell and when you go to hell you just the lights don't go out you have a body that is equipped for the eternal flames of hell forever no one will ever cry Nobody will feel burdened to pray for you. No one will mourn for you or even remember that you ever existed. You will be 100% totally removed from the minds of your loved ones, and you'll stay in a state of forgotten place of torment. We will not remember you. So the answer to the question, and I waited about a year or so, and I went back and I talked to this lady, and I said, I have an answer for you. And she said, Pastor Tim, I need an answer. And I remember pulling my chair up at her kitchen table. And I sat down and I opened up my Bible and I said, This is a hard thing, but you're looking for a hard answer. And the truth of the matter is, the truth is, you will not remember your son. She broke down and cried. She says, I don't know if that helps. I said it doesn't help. But what it does do, is releases you to enjoy the fullness of the presence of God in heaven because in heaven there is no sorrow, there's no sadness, there's no death, there's no grief, there's no depression. It is a place of ultimate joy, and it's a place of ultimate judgment for those who say no to Jesus Christ. Now, you can sit here and say, you know what, that's a, fun, that's a bunch of hooey. Let me tell you something. You can... Believe what you want to believe, but I choose to believe this Bible and put my life on the very word of God. And if that's what God says, then that's what it is. Someone said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I say this, God said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. That's the truth. the most dangerous place for you to be is to be involved in church. That's where I was. I grew up in a preacher's home. I grew up, listen, I was tied to my dad's, he was a preacher, so obviously I'm going to make it to heaven, until one day under the message of the gospel of Christ, the Spirit of God awakened me and caused me to see, Tim, you don't know me. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. A Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ. You can say all you want that you're a believer. You can say that you're an apple tree as long as you want. But the fact of the matter, if you have plums hanging from your profession of faith, you're not who you think you are. The fact of the matter is, if you're truly, truly a child of God, you will live and follow him fully. He will be the Lord of your life or he won't be the Lord at all. And I remember when I woke up and I said, I was found in the house of religion, but lost as a hoot. And I'll never forget that time. And I went running to Jesus and said, God, from my heart, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And God transformed me from the inside out. The most sobering thing, the most sobering decision that you'll ever make in your life, you're going to die this thing that happened with France, they went out for a party. They were going out to have a good time, and they never made it home. We live in a very scary world. We could go sit in a restaurant this afternoon, and one of those same bombers that killed people can stand up, and we can be gone into eternity. I wouldn't live one minute of my life not knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. You are at the threshold of eternity. We are all at the threshold of eternity. The most important thing for you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, even those that are playing church, do you know Jesus? Are you a follower of Christ? Is heaven really your home? And I beg of you, all that you have inside of you, something rise up inside of you and say, I need to know him, know him follow him. And if you're here today and you say, preacher, I've never really called, I'd call upon him. I don't care if you've been in church. I don't care what other people think. Throw all that away. Don't go to hell for what people think. Don't throw away your soul for the destination of the pride of men. You just gotta make your way to Jesus as quick as you can because now is the day of salvation. His arms are extended now, He's ready to do business with you now. All you gotta do is call unto Him and He will answer. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hell is real. I'm telling you, hell is real. Heaven is sweet. Hell is hot. Hell is forever. But hell's a place for the forgotten question is, are we going to remember you? Will we? Will we remember you? I think some of us are going to be shocked when we get to heaven because we're going to think, oh, I thought so-and-so was gone. The most important question is, will we remember you? I beg of you, I beg of you, call out unto him. Throw yourself on his mercy seat. Throw yourself in his presence and let God save you. Let's pray.